don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. Everyone's far smarter on how they want to be engaged with. Equally, they're far more receptive to being advertised to. We were joined by Lee Wilcox, who is the CEO and co-founder of On The Tools. It's the UK's largest online construction community. Yes, Lee founded On The Tools several years ago during a drunken conversation with a friend, and now it's become a massive community. But like many publishers, Lee is sort of facing the issue of having to appease a massive audience with also what the platforms expect of content creation and publishers, so that's long-form content mixed with UGC, who comes out on top. The platform owns it, the community drives it, and we have to go where both try and lead us, you know, there's no other way of doing it. All this and more, coming up. How are niche communities uh, leveraging the power of their nicheness to survive on social media and online? Big old question, isn't it, that? Yes. Um, so where do I start? So I think that communities in the, you know, they're built from the ground up rather than top down. So I think the, the, the power of them is that aggregation of people's interests, relevancy, whatever it might be, all sort of coming together and then building that community themselves rather than brands trying to top down build that as well. And then the power of that is that, I guess, um, from like a, research development point of view or market research or whatever it might be, whether you want to talk to your your potential customers, you've you've then got that opportunity to do it. Um, the landscape's changed in terms of how people want this privacy over public type style of platform. And, and, and I'm, I don't think anyone's there yet with it necessarily at mass, but I think that that in itself lends itself to niche communities because again, the relevancy of, of what they're talking about and, and who they're talking to are people that they feel they're sharing interests with rather than this more broad, like I'll comment here or do this, or I'll interact with whatever it might be. So I think there's real power in that niche because of its relevancy and, and how, many, how many topics can be shared, I guess. Um, I think there's a lot more niche communities than there were before because the metric has changed on what's important mm. as well. Uh, you know, that whole thing of having huge numbers, huge views, everything else that comes along with that actually has switched now and it's it's all about that engagement. And I think niche communities have real engagement, like a lot of it. They're very influential and powerful in that respect then, aren't they, as well, like you said. And I suppose uh, you only need to look at Facebook's moves with uh, groups and whatnot. Everybody's becoming so, mm. such, such like smaller communities, like you said, and not necessarily small communities, I suppose. It's just niche. But like you said, they are they are becoming so uh, big in themselves. In I a feel way. like that is how Facebook pages and like Twitter pages and communities started. Like they all started around these really niche like passion points mm. to get people engaged and get people in these communities. And then I feel like, I don't know if you agree, but somewhere over the years that was almost lost. And it feels like now the owners of these pages and people creating new ones are trying to bring that back. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, it's interesting with the groups thing as well. So if you look at that as well, how they've adopted, you know, what six years ago, groups were still existed through mm -hmm. Facebook, but Facebook pretty much just ignored them, threw them in the bin, like we're not going to put any tech into them, we're not going to update them. 
But then along the way, what's happened is, is that actually the users have gone, oh, I prefer groups. I, I just get more value from groups. I, and people under the radar were just joining loads of groups, interacting with loads of groups. And then two years ago, Facebook go, shit, like everyone's <laughs> using groups. Like yeah. what, what's happening? So <laughs> that switch then has, has um, allowed groups to then have more tech, everything put into it. And there's so much more focus on it now. And, mm. and I agree, because if you look at what Twitter was as well, it did start in that way, in that, in that, that niche, um, those niche communities. But then I, I think what happened along the way was that a lot of people jumped onto that and grew their own communities at mass. And they all sort of became not the same, not all the same. That's a, an unfair uh, statement, but a lot were owned and operated by a lot of the same individuals. And then what happens then is it, it you sort of lose that community feel because there's so much monetization being mm. driven for it r rather than, again, the other way around, like community up rather than sort of top down, I guess. Are you placing more emphasis on groups now, would you say, than your page? You have a few on the go, don't you, groups? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I wouldn't say we're placing more emphasis on either or. Um, I think we're adding resources into the team to definitely have a focus on groups that we probably haven't done, you know, two years ago. Mm -hmm. I think we, we, we first started our, our group, the Young Tradespersons group that we have, um, and that wasn't really on the basis that groups were growing. That was on the basis that young people in the trade would get hammered on the page a lot. So it's another pun. Again, damn it, I didn't even know. <laughs> so that they, it, what we found was that was there was no real safe space for these guys to be. The, the, the construction industry is pretty brutal. Um, and when you first go into it as an apprentice, there's this, this initiation, would you call it? I it's don't like know. a hazing process yeah, almost, isn't it? Big yeah, time, you know, absolutely. and, and uh, you know, there's no real safe space for these guys to be. And, and what we were finding was that we're, when we were doing brand work and when we were doing original content and we were looking at things, if anyone of a young age asked a question about like getting into the trade or, you know, what should I go and do? They just get like abuse really of mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't know what you're doing or do this or like, Aww. you know, go and go and get a spirit level bubble or do you know, like just <laughs> stupid stuff like, oh, get the left-handed hammer and, you know, and like this is a little bit on. A little bit unfair, really. And Aww. so we started the Young Tradespersons Group on the basis of allowing young tradespeople to have a safe space that they can ask what is deemed as stupid questions, you know. So we got some moderators in that from the trade that we could trust and that wouldn't, you know, lay into these guys or, or take the mick out of them. And then that grew quite quickly. And, and I think that's where we then started to see, like anything, because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and, and a lot of the people within the business are that you look and go, oh, this is interesting. Like, there's loads of people here communicating in a way that they don't in other assets and spaces we've got within the business. Mm. I wonder how this will, you know, how this will grow and what will happen with it. And we started to use it as more of a lot of market research for the industry and working with brands to do that. And then brands wanted to do campaigns through it because tradespeople at the moment yeah, young tradespeople are uh, very, very different to to tradespeople that have been in the industry for a long time. Mm. Um, their approach to where they buy things, how they buy things, you know, what they're interested in, it's it is so different. And because the trade, the industry itself is quite archaic and it's always behind the consumer, anything else that's in the sort of consumer world. So um, it became a really interesting place for us to look at. So um, I think there's definitely more focus. It's just... Um, it probably came from a place of wanting to solve a problem for the trade. And now it's actually, we're realizing that, that 
the platforms themselves are realising it's a place where most people need to be. So mm-hmm. it, it's a bit of both, I guess, of how we've got there. There's almost a mm-hmm. social responsibility angle there, where that's come up a few times yeah. on this podcast, but you've sort of found a niche within a niche and I quite find that quite interesting. Yeah. You mentioned uh, brands. What 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 is their sort of involvement been and, and what conversations have you had with brands about On The Tools? And So... When we first started, so on the tools, just the the idea of on the tools and how it started was a, a recruitment app. So me and Ad were getting drunk uh, on a Friday night. He'd been in the trade for twelve years, and he was moaning about the fact he couldn't find a plaster on a job. And we got drunk. I was just a bit of a geek and loved technology, and was like, "It's got to be something out there that would allow these people to connect." And and there wasn't. We went about trying to, with no money, trying to solve this problem, and built the community off the back of the fact that we had no money and we knew that we were going to market to these guys. And and I think we knew we had an opportunity to work with brands because we were looking at the, the rest of the land, the social landscape and seeing all these consumer brands doing loads of work with all these audiences. And we were like, what is the construction industry doing? They're still like using print and in a way that it, it's dead. You know, what's going on? So we spent probably the first 18 months trying to pedal out to brands and they just didn't want to know. It was like we were just like... Is that because no, they're quite like used to an archaic sort of world where you go to B and Q and you go to Screwfix and that's it. There it starts from both is. ends. Mm-hmm. The the the, um, the the big brands within the industry are operated or were and less so now maybe by the old guard mm. and mm. the industry itself was operated by the old guard. You know, and the the the, the buying behaviours were of of that um, generation and. Eventually what happened was, which what we've realized now, the pattern of the construction industry is, is that most brands cotton onto it 18 months to two years later, is that lots of brands now are like, oh, we should be doing social, you know, which sounds ridiculous if we we're going to sit in this room and have that conversation because of what industry we're in. But mm-hmm. it's um, it was hard, really hard at first for, for to get anyone's attention, at, you know, at all. Um, we do that a lot better now, but I think it was... a I don't know whether it's because we got we got really good at it or whether it's just timing. I'll, I'll take the first one. And then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm always interested by this though because uh, this is something I was I was trying to sort of articulate earlier, but I find it interesting because you say you know you'll have brands in the trade that say oh you know we should be doing social now in what sort of vein because you know explain the sort of buying behaviour to me because. You've got these brands, but surely, like, you know, some FMCG brands have it, I think, but you'd have, like, you know, a brand like Bosch or a brand like Milwaukee or yeah. or Drills and stuff. And I feel like it's the one sort of area of work where you're quite loyal to one brand because, like you said, it's that archaic sort of history that that's, that kind of goes through it. What 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 would you see? What benefits come for these brands doing stuff on social? Is it that they're uh, approaching this new generation of sort of builders or...? Absolutely. And that's where it's at for me. It's like, okay, we understand that the current generation that sit within the construction industry have don't use social as much as the, you know, uh, the new guard that are coming through. Right. But the, the real key thing there is that, and you just said it then, that they're loyal. The construction industry as, as trades are very loyal, mm. you know, and they're actually almost um, tribal. So for me, I'm like, well, you got to stop concentrating on where where things are being bought and how they're who they're being bought by. Now, to start concentrating on who they're going to be bought by and where they're going to be bought by in the future, yeah. because they're going to catch a cold. Um, and you know, there's 
we've had conversations with with tool manufacturers to solve the problem of tool theft. So tool theft is a really, really big problem within the industry at the minute, really bad. Um, and it's not like our industry is where if we have something stole, you know, I'll get my laptop robbed on the train or whatever it might mm. be. I will go to work the next day. If my car gets stolen, I'll get a taxi and I'll, I'll work it out. Tradespeople have their van robbed or all of their tools robbed. They cannot go to work the next day. But then even the tool brand, the tool manufacturers don't want to solve that problem because they make loads of dough from things being stolen and repurchased again. Yeah. And it's that type of thing where I'm like, well, really, if someone wanted to cut through the market properly, they'd solve that. And you'd get every single young tradesperson buying their tools because they know that they would solve that problem. And, you know, but there's an uh, an, an archaic approach to how they're um marketing and, and trying to solve problems with the consumer at the minute in, in that mm. sense. And social for me would be a great way of them being able to drive through that and find out more about what the problems are and it, and, and actually market in a way. And, and, and more importantly, let people purchase in a way where they want to purchase. Mm. Um, the biggest problem that merchants have at the minute is getting young tradespeople into store. No one in the merchant game has solved online yet, apart from Screwfix who have solved it in the sense of small building products. No one solved the large building products game. It's a really interesting space. I, for I, me, anyway. I find that I, I find it absolutely fascinating in a way because it's, it's like you said, you know, there is that archaicness to it. So like, you know, my dad used Bosch and then he got a Makita, so I got his Bosch. So it was all very kind of like, you know, it's very linear um, in that way, in a sense. But you know, we work in this, this the industry, and we talk about fashion, and we talk about you know, uh, food and drink and all of this. But trade and construction, you know, a lot of people got mm. houses. Everything around us is built. Yeah, I'm but you don't, you don't to think, you know, so it kind right. of like see that much of it. separate yourself from it, don't you? What I think is interesting is you've you've mentioned a few different parts about the trade business and you've used the word archa archaic a few times. <laughs> but like how are you would you say you're using on the tools in your communities to try and solve problems that are happening in the trade? Would you say that's important to you? Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I think more so now. <laughs> I got called out. I did a <laughs> did a, um, a talk about, I don't know, like three or four months ago. And um, just the story of On The Tools, it was a, a construction marketing event. And I, and I did this talk, it's 20 minutes and it's all quite fun. There's lots of like fun videos in there. And I tell the story, we were drunk, we're friends, we did this, we lost loads of money, all that. Everyone's laughing. And then at the end of it, there's a Q and A. And I've done this talk probably about 20 times now. And I took like 10 questions on the bounce that were like, how are you solving diversity? What are you doing for health and safety? And I got, I got battered on, and I walked off and I had a train journey back um, to Tamworth for two hours and I sat there on the train just being like, I feel annoyed about the fact that I've been pinpoint, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is great. And then after it was like, what are you doing? You know, and, and I yeah, thought, why yeah. have I been pinpointed that? And then I was like, stop being such a baby, Lee. Like you're, you own and operate a, a community that is the largest in the world and and has a mass of, of the trade mm -hmm. in, in the UK. So therefore, you have a responsibility to aggregate that community and give them what they need and support them. And mm -hmm. I was like, you've you just been, um, been a child and been a bit annoyed that you've like, had to like, answer some tough questions that you've never thought about before. Yeah. And I think off the back of that, we've, you know, we're now working with more some of the contractors to try and solve like, you know, the diversity problem within construction, which is just huge. It's like 1% women, 99% male. Mm -hmm the opportunities that, that that brings. And um, it was a good thing, but, and I do think we're solving more things. So the tool theft thing, we're trying to solve that at the minute. We're working with a partner to try and build a tracking system that will fit within the tools themselves. Mm. But it's just such a huge job because 
as soon as you start messing with any tools. Yeah, the problem is bigger than you. So just like, but yeah. I, I think it's like really positive that you can, like you said, it's not when you create a page. Anyone who creates one of these mass pages doesn't expect then to be weighted. You know, the responsibility of fixing problems in those niche communities, mm. but. It's one of those like I don't. I'm not going to quote Spider Man. I'm not going to do that. Oh, please but do. Having, having responsibility <laughs> put on you, and then like you have this massive platform where you can actually make a real difference. Yeah, and you know I think it was uh, it was really interesting being pulled up on it. And I just remember thinking when when I was answering questions, I don't employ all these people. I'm not like. Well, I'm not, I don't run the industry, mm. but I will take the fact that I'm like the Spider-Man of construction. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got yeah. this all, you've, you've now got this, uh, This sort of, I suppose goes back to the original question that you've got this uh, massive influence now, I suppose, to change the way things are and the way things uh, run. And I've seen with some of your content, uh, some of the stuff uh, it's shining light on like LBGTQ plus in the mm. building trade as well and stuff like that. So yeah, and and you know again, so I go back to this like horrific moment I had on stage. But I, at the time, I remember thinking, yeah, we're not doing enough. And, and actually, I came back and was like, oh, we are doing bits. I just didn't talk about or didn't you know it was put on the back foot, I guess. And that, and that was around about the very similar time. I think it was like a week before we just put that content out and. It's things like that where the team are constantly trying to strive to go, well, what's happening elsewhere? And I think it's probably an advantage we do have of, you know, I won't use mm -hmm. the same word again, but of the construction, construction industry being a bit behind everyone else, but is that we do get to look and go, well, what, what's happening elsewhere? How does that fit within construction? Can we get ahead of the game with it? You know, um, so I do think that allows for that. And, and we, you know, we really want to try and do more of that mm -hmm. and, as the business grows and as the community grows and we can get more people in, involved with that, we want to really try and make that difference, I mm. guess. I think like what On The Tools does really well is you make content that's obviously just like really relevant to their audience who are watching it. It's like you said on the phone, little in-jokes and that's like what they'll respond to. But even like the big uh, issues, things that happen elsewhere are still things that are like very real and happening to them. So. You know, they'll relate to that as well. I'm keen to know, though, or to, to Eve's point, though, how does that content fare up against yeah, everything else? Yeah, against your sort of apprentice hazing and all that challenges. It's interesting because when we first started to, the, probably the first bit of, of stuff that we that we started to do was um, with a group of people or charity now, just got charity status, uh, called Band of Builders. And they are a group of builders that got together to help other builders. So it's like a DIY SOS type vibe yeah and they find um tradespeople that are you know need help and they go and help them and we really wanted to cover this and and give, give people um and give them some coverage because at the time they weren't a charity we couldn't donate in in a way that they wanted or needed so we were like well, what can we do we can give them coverage we can go down um and film like a, a series basically on on them doing up people's houses etc and and we did like a five piece series where this content was anywhere between five and 10 minutes long going through Facebook. This is like two years ago as well. So the platform was just not ready for it. Mm. We knew that as well, but we do, we knew we just needed to cover it in a way that where the audience were and we'd put ad spend and try and, you know, push it. And I remember having the first creative and, and, and watching the first, so we stayed away for the week. It was some, oh, it was in Essex, I think. And then being in the hotel room and, and sitting with the guys and watching the first edit and being like, this is so good. Like I love it. It's my favourite bit of content we've ever produced. And just be thinking in my back of my head, everyone's going to slate it. They're going to hate it. Aww. They're going to jump on it. And and you know what's this? You know, and actually, it was so much 
so uh, much more uh, better received than than I thought it was going to be, and uh, and people followed that that five parter. People, you, you could see through the comments that people were. It wasn't the first time they'd watched it. There was, you know, and there was a, a a good bit of sort of PR and press around what they were doing, and and since we did that, we've just tried to do much more of it. We mm. do stuff with November. We've done more stuff stuff with with band of builders, and I think where we get the opportunity and we know that we can add a difference, we'll we'll still do it. And it's interesting because it's all that thing of like, you think you know an audience, and then actually. It's that whole, like, you know, judge about white's cover or whatever, but until mm. you really test these things and, and go out with the content and give it a go, you, you never really know how people are going to react to it. Yeah, people it painted a better picture yeah. than, than the, of the industry than what I think everyone thought it was going to, which was great. Yeah. Be because anybody listening to this will, will and, you know, Rose Builders and Work Builders will know that it's a very, it is a very alpha community, isn't it? They're very like, proud completely. as well, though. And very it's sort of something like that where they're like some, give them something to be proud of, you know. And I think that was it. It was that trade helping trade, you know. Like I said earlier, they are tribal, um, and they, look, for me, they're the backbone of the country. End of. You know, you said it earlier on about the industry being big, and you don't think about it. You know, you don't think it's going to be behind or whatever. It's such a huge industry um, that has such a massive impact on on the country that, mm. but it's sort of like missed they're just underserved as people mm. and as a, as as a, a an industry like yeah. hugely and and um we want to try and like bring it back up onto a bit more of a level feel, playing field i feel like from the outside looking in for an industry like construction which is like a million miles away from where i live i'd uh be worried that some of the content that you put out or like to people who aren't necessarily interested in it it would come across a little bit like flat or a little bit dull have you had to be like more creative in the content that you make and try and think about that? Because we've had, like it happens in a lot of um, sort of B2B companies and things that are maybe a little bit less like flashy and sexy to sell. It's like harder to, to make people care online, but have you tried to? It, it definitely uh, puts more strain on you being more creative in, in you know, we have creatives where we, we get briefs and then we'll go, right, okay. and. And, and sometimes you spend, you can spend an, an hour on one and be like, we have nailed this. This is big. And Another then sometimes plan. you can, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you can, uh, you could spend like three, four hours in different chunks and be like, oh, we can't, we can't get it. Mm. And it is because you are sometimes dealing with what you would class as dull uh, sectors. And one of the biggest sectors we've always had from the get go was financial services. Yeah. Because actually as an, indus as an industry there, our community is more subprime. They work away a lot. They spend all their money month to month. Um, you know, there's a, the stigma of what you would imagine the construction industry be, that is real, yeah? yeah? And financial service brands have always struggled to actually market to these these people. So it was always, from the very start, we had, um, we had brands contacting us. And the, f the first partnership we did was with Direct Line for Business. And their, their brief was, stay safe on site. And we were like, <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. You know, this is, how do we have any cut through with this? You know, this is going to be, show people, or well, let's show people being safe on site, that'll work. Mm. And it won't, you <laughs> yeah. know. So, but what it did do is it allowed us to just flip that on its head mm. uh, and, and adopt the rule of not being safe on site, not condone that, obviously, but push the message that this is happening because that is the facts. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, we had some of the, the the largest piece of content viewed across Facebook that year because of because of that flip. So I think it does allow for more creativity. I think it 
Um, but I do think it depends on, on what it is. Sometimes it's just really, really hard that you have to go yeah. really product focused rather than trying to go and just be honest with the brand you're working with and be mm. like, this isn't the right approach. You know, mm. what are you actually trying to do? Because mm. sometimes I think what happens as well within construction particularly is that because they are a bit far be- further behind, they see lots of consumer brands and even brands within construction getting big views and, and they go, we, we just want that. And you go, but why? Why do you want that? What, mm. you know, you might not need that. And I think it's about trying to make sure that you're doing the right thing for the client as as much as you can. Yeah. Um, I always wonder that about niche communities. Like if you've got a niche that it can be so powerful and it can be so good at like connecting audiences to like one specific thing that they really, really care about. But not every brand and not every industry has a niche that people will take to. So I always mm. wonder if this kind of like strategy, I guess, is applicable. I think we've always, we've always got it so that, and a lot of the time we don't have to necessarily worry about hitting outside of the industry, mm. which is lucky really, I guess, because, and again, I guess this is because it's a niche B2B rather than just a niche interest that they could then have lots of other, you know, it's so specific, but that we, we hit, I guess we hit on like a large niche because it is still a, it is still a big industry. And, yeah. Um, so it allows us not to have to worry about being expanding further than that, I guess. Mm. In saying that, though, Lee, you you and you know, speaking to quite a few people about on the tools, and you know, you're obviously on my radar, and you know, a few people around the office, and we're not builders, but you seem to have tapped into other kind of, not necessarily tapped into communities, but you're on, definitely on other people's peripheries. Yeah, to be fair, so I've got you. friends who love the page, and they're not in the industry. Yeah. So how how does that change the conversation for you? And how does that sort of do you just keep on making this building content because people like it? Do you diversify? Do you? Yeah, we have a steady stream of um, uh, wastage on the page, and you can see that from the growth of the page and and that steady stream of of. Uh, who falls off it, and and the way, and it's so difficult to take any. Um, it's relatively anecdotal, I guess. But the way we always view it is that our content will reach mass and and go further because a lot of it's based on humour. So, therefore, it has the ability to just expand further than what yeah. the industry is. Um, but what we know that we consistently do is create content for the construction industry. So, therefore, w- what we think ends up happening is is that people might follow the page for a certain period of time and then go, actually, this is just, what is this? I have no interest in this content <laughs> because it's just not for me. You know, one minute they're watching some guy falling uh, like a hole, right, on site. And then the next minute they've got a um, very serious product review of a Bosch drill. And they're like, what? I don't, yeah. I don't need a drill. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Or even for like more niche than that, like Bosch drill bits, you know, really yeah. you start and where you've got loads of engagement on these posts, they must look at it and be like, what are these saddos doing? You know, but it's that thing, isn't it? Of having that niche community of, yeah. of, of the right interest. So I think we definitely expand further than that on a video to video level, but not on a consistent engagement level, I think. That's interesting. Mm. And also, um, I want to touch on content, really, because uh, we seem to be in a, I feel like a transitional period with content, where uh, a lot of the talks that we're, we're doing at the moment and uh, our strategy director, Mike, has been talking about is mm. the sort of death of BAU, which is your business as usual content, your daily kind of putting stuff up, constant, constant, constant. How is content changing for you? I'm interested to know, because... Like you said, you made this video a while ago that uh, was long form that would have been ripe for Facebook now, but maybe not back then. And how, how are you approaching things now? Yeah, there's been a, there's a big focus on it at the minute, um, definitely, because we, you know, 
we're like you guys, we, we try and stay as close as we can to the platforms and, um, you know, and understanding what's working. And, and I think when you're in the industry, you just got a constant focus on um, keeping your eye on what's happening elsewhere. And UGC has just um, taken this weird hit where it will work at some points and not at others. And, um, you know, particularly talking about Facebook, for instance, we know that the platform is changing. Watch is going to take a big investment this year and, yeah. um, and a big push. Whether they'll get that right or not, I, I, I don't know. Um, we obviously want them to, but the UGC is always going to be there. And, and I think because I don't think if you look at any social platform, it's what they thrive on. Yeah. And it needs to be there because it's built by community. It's like expecting, you know, everyone to walk around with high profile cameras that they can. It's just not going to, you know, it isn't going to happen. But I think it's for us now, it's about. I think what the platforms are looking at, and particularly Facebook, is that stamp of editorial um, and, I guess, uniqueness or, you know, something that's going to allow publishers to, one, do the things that the platform wants you to do. So put more high profile or high production content out, make it longer, you know, make sure it's about engagement and not necessarily about this like mass views, make sure it's not posted elsewhere. You know, that, that duplication of content's a real, you know, bad thing for the platform. And the only way they can solve that ecosystem is doing what, effectively doing what YouTube did however long ago by paying creators to create better content. And Facebook are going to around the loop in it a bit, but that's effectively what they're doing. And they're trying to, for me, they're trying to cut out all the publishers that can't do that. So this, you know, the move to three minute content well, the publishers and pages that have got real mass that have grown and just, you know, rip content from everywhere else and publish it three times over will die. And it doesn't mean, and, and if they don't, they'll break so many guidelines that Facebook will chop the head off them anyway. So then it's sol it will solve that ecosystem. And I think for us, we've got a real focus on original content and um, at the UGC that does come through, we're going to have to be so much stricter with it. Is you know you said the sort of business as usual type thing, and it, and it has been that, hasn't it, for the last couple of years of yeah. how much can we get out, how often, you know these are these are the the this mm. means good, this means bad. If it's bad, mm. pull it. If it's good, keep it. You know, yeah. and, and it's those such types. an old way of thinking as well. Like a bit of that Mike said is um, there's like an old template or you'll find them everywhere in like every listicle. It's like, how many times should I post on social per week? It's like minimum Twitter, like five posts, like Facebook three yeah, a day, yeah, Instagram one yeah, a day. Like it's like, who's made these rules? And are they actually true? Like you can't know anything unless you test it Google on your buffer. audience. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the Literally, list, isn't it? there's, there's no, no truth to it. I think that the more returned viewed content is where publishers are going to be moving towards the long form scheduled how how Facebook adopt that, I don't know yet because I don't think the platform's ready for it. No, the platform's not ready. That's the wrong. I don't think the consumer is using the platform how the platform wants it to be used. Yeah. So, And that's going to cause them a problem. So the only thing they can do at the minute is make, force people to make the content a bit longer and, and, and better. Yeah. And, then, and then they'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it, users but, are still going to post their own content, aren't they? I don't know how much they can stop people doing yeah. that, like taking their own videos. But but for risk of not using the the a word as I'm going to start calling it, which is authenticity, does that sort of kick a bit of the authenticity out of it when you you know it's not constant UGC fail vines that yeah, kind of thing I feel that like people that's are like a lot of on the tools yeah. like charm like uh, having that like first hand content. There's a risk, isn't there? And I think when we were talking last year, it was that you know, do you think there's a risk about changing the content 
based on what the platform wants over mm. what the community wants. Mm. It's such a good question. Mm. I went away being like, oh my God, yeah, I want, you know. Because <laughs> if we did that, we'd all be making IGTV videos, wouldn't we, that nobody yeah. would be watching. Yeah, yeah and that's it. It's so that- much resource. And sometimes like something as simple as a 10 second video that, you know, someone on site has taken on their that's phone and shared it yeah. can do so much better. And I think it's the, it's the balance, isn't it? I think... You, what happens with all these things is that is the platform wants one thing, the community wants another, and eventually they all just get a little bit closer because each one forces each other's hands. So mm. I think over time, I don't think people will post less user-generated content necessarily, but I think groups will have a big impact on that because I think the news feed's going to change so much. There's, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes that I think it will will change a lot. You say about authenticity, but it, it gives, I think what it is, what they're trying to force is actually more authenticity from the publishers, mm. which is really missing at the minute. I think yeah. I'm, I, at mass, there's, there's there's publishers that do it really, really well, and there's some that do it really badly and like Wild West. And they're the ones that you know, as as businesses, that all, we want to disappear because it will improve the platform. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how long it'll take. Fat. But yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harsh what, but true. What is the end? Ge- not necessarily the end game, but. I always find it interesting being a publisher. It must be a constant battle against everything mm. daily to create content that people are going to watch time and time and time and time and time again. You know, with sort of TV series, you've got this kind of like uh, stickiness. You've got this constant kind of to go back to, but content, it's its become such a, you know, it's a must now, isn't it? It's, yeah. I, th- I think, again, it comes, that's almost like, that's almost the problem, isn't it? That's Facebook's problem at the minute. Mm. If you look, it's all it is is that everyone's trying to keep up with everyone else, but no one's listening to that to what you know that platform actually wants to do. Mm. Now, it, do you feel like you have to follow Facebook's rules? On the whole, yeah. yeah. Because I, I think look, you can always try and work against them and loophole it and stuff, but in the end, what we all have to be aware of the fact is is that we own nothing. The community is 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 the real owner, uh, uh, well, the second owner, and the first it, the the platform owns it. The community drives it, and we have to go where both try and lead us. You know, mm-hmm. there's no other way of doing it. So I think there's a a real problem with mass at the minute in terms of how much content gets published. That's that's mm-hmm. my issue with it. Uh, you know, our head of social is she's constantly just pulling her hair out because she's like, this has changed. We need to go with this. It, it's very difficult to strategize as a publisher at the moment. I think because all you, all you know is that they want longer form content. Mm. But all, the other thing you know is that the community is not ready for it. So yeah. not, where's the in between? Um, it's difficult, but I think there's, you know, it'll work its work its way out. I think. This yeah. is this oh, is. I'm sorry. sorry, you no, carry no, you on. I'm, I was just going to say this is one thing that I kind of that comes up in conversations, and I kind of, you know, obviously it's, it's you, you can tell that there's not a fair trade off. But I think Facebook. Is that another pun? It's, it's, well, yeah, exactly. It's the pun show. just come out, don't they? I love it. I love it. Keep them coming. But it's like you were saying, it, it almost strikes me as I mean, Facebook, you know, we're talking about a multi billion dollar company in Menlo Park, but they almost don't know how good they have it sometimes with, with publishers, it strikes me as. Mm. In a yeah, sense. I think we've been. Um, Seems to me like your, you know, publishers have, have in some ways are the ones that have. Uh, I think they're the bread and butter you know, of the platform, and yet playing second fiddle. Hundred percent. We've, but I think that's been part of the problem that they're at now. Mm. This whole like short, short clip, viral content mentality was built on the fact that publishers weren't paid mm. to to publish 
end of, because if that had been dealt with earlier on, there'd be three years ahead because publishers would have been able to create more engaging, long-form content, that people would be more sticky, they would have been able to... But instead, they tried to monetize content that no one owned. Mm. That went ended terribly with suggested videos and, and that type of thing. And then now they've got a bit more of a handle on it with, with ad breaks and the way that that's rolled out. And, and I think they've done a better job with that. But initially in the US, they rolled it out to a load of cowboys and then they ruined it as well. So there's, mm. there's I think the issue's been is that actually if they back the publishers and understood that they were the, understood that they were the key part of the platform, because they were four years ago, there's no re- it's no coincidence that Lab Bible and Unilag grew to the size that they that they grew yeah. um, so quickly because people wanted them to serve them content. That's what they wanted. Mm. Uh, but mm. Along the way, it was about driving traffic elsewhere. That's how people made money initially. And that caused Facebook a problem. So they were like, well, stop that. Um, you know, we'll really we'll, we'll lower that down. And then the publishers were like, well, okay, but what now? You know, we've got this expectation to create content consistently, but we need to be paid for it. Mm-hmm. But it never really came until now when it's a little bit too late. Or they're, they're, they're very far behind. That would be my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. And they could have solved it a lot earlier. You've, you've done what a lot of people have started doing as well and in that you've diversified and I know it's probably partly more about your personal brand but you've got a podcast now as well. Yeah. You've also got the website which you know must, must do well with uh, clicks and hits and stuff. How much of that has been inspired uh, by a kind of existential fear maybe that you're not always going to get it your way with Facebook and Instagram and everything else. There's a need to sort of go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well. as a business we're well aware of the fact that we've got a great community that we really want to try and um, have an impact with. You know, we, ultimately, we want On The Tools to be the biggest brand within construction. You know, that's what we want, whether that be through the fact that it supports the trade and we try and solve problems within that community or whether it be that um, because we're the biggest entertainment brand, you know, however that fits, we, mm. we want to be known through that industry. But um, the need to pivot and de-risk as such as a business is real, you know, well aware of the fact that we're very honed on to Facebook. And if, you know, if Mark has a paddy tomorrow morning and, and chucks it all in, we're, you know, stick a fork in us, we're done. <laughs> that, that's us, we're yeah. gone. You know, and, and that's why I guess as a business, we're operating more now as an agency rather than a publisher. And, mm. you know, we, mm. we definitely work with brands more on a more strategic level from a social perspective because we knew we needed to as a, yeah. you know, out of necessity to, for us, but also what the client Mm-hmm. wanted so it sort of it, it worked well but absolutely you can't you know the podcast for us is a, is a, a test at the minute me and Jamie are happy that we've been able to get seven weeks out on the trot you know it's a consistency thing but uh, you know I think there's if you don't look at what you're doing uh, and uh, you know more importantly look at what others are doing and, and brands that you look up to and things like that and uh, and move with where the consumer is then yeah your business will mm-hmm. just die how are, you, how are your audience reacting to your move more towards like agency style work than publishing side? Do they notice that there's been like an increase in, in brand no, involvement? Not, no, I, I, we've not. I, I think the biggest kickback we had was when we first used the brand tag uh, on Facebook, which was like, you know, two, three years ago, whatever it was. And, yeah. and it was like, sell out. Yeah, that know. first hashtag ad <laughs> yeah, is always the yeah. hardest. And, and we were like, oh no, what are we doing? <laughs> but you know, there was, there was two of us then. We could like barely eat. You, we, we were happy if we could go to the whoopsie aisle in the co-op and get like some cut price 50p peppers or something you know it was it, it was the struggle was real so back then that was probably the biggest thing but I think again I think 
whilst it's harder to market and uh, in an engaging way and create content to the end user because everyone's far smarter on how they want to be engaged with, equally they're far more receptive to be to being advertised to. It's just how how it's done. So I think. At the minute, it's not, a and I don't think it will be. I really don't think it will be because we're, all we're doing as a, as a business is, you know, trying to build more communities and 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 mm. expand that. And as an agency, we'll just be working as a B two B. You know, as an agency, we struggled actually because we were trying to act as a publisher and an agency, mm. both B two C and B two B, which people were just so confused by. So we were then started to go, okay, well, this needs to probably change. So the, we don't want the end user to feel like that's changed. And that's why the original content push for us is where we can try and still offer like, you know, huge value if they feel like, you know, brand ads isn't what they were there for, I guess. Yeah. I a sort of a final point to end on, I suppose, that I'm quite keen to know about is with regards to what we've talked about uh, with these connections that you have with a younger generation of builders, what does the construction uh, sphere look like through a sort of millennial Gen Z looking glass in, you know, the next 10 years? You know, you guys must be fearing like AI to some sort of, you know, level like the construction age and all of this coming in, you know, getting quite serious now. It's uh, I think interesting to see how that yeah, impacts you. Yeah, I didn't you. even think about automation like that. Yeah, I, I think the only yeah. thing that will, that, that keeps it, keeps it alive, it's always gonna be alive, but, these these people in this in these industries are so skilled. You know, I look at it and my hands are too soft. I've tried to do loads of trade jobs when I was when I was younger and I just couldn't hack it. Um, they were meant for a keyboard, but the, um, <laughs> just about put together something yeah, from IKEA. That's it. Yeah, and um, but they're so good at what they do, and it takes so much time, and and it's the sort of thing that you learn as uh, you know you get really good at that from doing it for twenty years, and I think it's going to take some serious, serious tech to knock a lot of the jobs out. Mm. But I think the automation will hit a, a part of the industry in a way that I don't think anyone's really, I don't think anyone's aware of it, really. Mm. Mm. Hopefully it doesn't hit there. too hard, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We've covered everything there, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, from yeah. tech to, to lulls <laughs> to brilliant, yeah. Thank you very much, Lee. Honestly. Thanks, yeah, thanks so much. For Loved it. On. Love nice one. I uh, love the podcast. Love uh, like me and Jamie are buzzing off coming in social chain. Our uh, uh, fanboying it. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love and we love on the tour. Uh, thanks yeah. for having me on. Yes, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Wicked. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds podcast with myself, Theo Watts. Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson.